Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. This is the end. We're at the end of our series where we've been looking at the Mandalorian and how it connects with the early church. And it's just been a really fun way to just play around with this series and actually just feel like the Lord is challenging us some ways. And we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about the similarities between the way. The Mandalorian would say, this is the way. And the early church would call themselves the way because they were tied to the phrase, the the words that Jesus said, that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so they identified themselves as that. We saw how the Mandalorian struggled with this tension between what he believed was the right way and how others actually lived it out. And for many of us, we we found the same thing. And we saw that the disciples struggled with it as well. As, As Jesus came on the planet and he showed us this upside down way of living. Last week, we talked about the way to significance, to find those those moments that take our breath away. And the reality is in order for us to truly experience those, it requires us to lean into our callings, our corporate calling and our personal calling. So it's been so much fun. I've enjoyed this with you. I know so many of you that have watched the show, you've like, it's been so fun to, to see the similarities and it's just been an interesting uh, series for us. But today, I want to talk to you about the way to freedom. The way to freedom. This is going to be a fun one. Inevitably, in every action show, in every action movie, there's a point in time where someone important in the story gets captured. It just happens every time. I don't know why, but it, it just happens. And so living up to true action film prowess, that's exactly what happens in The Mandalorian. Baby Yoda is captured by the enemy that they've been running away from all this time while he's trying to connect with other Jedis. And he's he's having this moment and right as it's happening, he's captured and he's stolen. And Mando is freaking out and he comes running to to try to save him. And he's he's flying on his little jetpack to rescue him, but he's too late. And then he tries to fly back to his ship and his ship gets blown up. And it's just this moment where it's like, oh no, what's gonna happen? And so the heroes band together and they they figure out this plan of how they're going to rescue him. And and while you're nervous, while you're watching this and and there's that tension inside you of like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? There's always like this undercurrent of hope that Baby Yoda is going to get rescued. And I won't I won't spoil how the show ends for you. It's epic. You need to finish it. It's it's so much fun. It's crazy how they tied in some of the other Star Wars universe to it. It's it's really cool. So I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it, it's worth getting towards the end. But it raises an interesting question for us. Why is it that we always have hope that no matter what's going on, no matter how bad the situation looks, somehow, some way, the hero is going to be rescued? Somehow, some way, the prisoner 
is going to be freed. Why do we have that hope? And honestly, I think it's because Hollywood has taught us that. If we're just being real, the money follows the happy ending, right? Like everyone likes that tension point. Everyone wants to have tears, but they also want to have triumph. And if you can have both of those, you've got a blockbuster. And probably nine out of 10 times, there's a rescue. The, the happy ending comes and, and that one out of 10 times where a director wants to be different, everyone applauds them and it's like, oh, that's so good, but it doesn't make any money. Everyone wants to see a happy ending. That's, that's what we want. We want the fairy tale, the swooping in, the rescue of, oh man, I didn't see that coming. We all want that. But there's something that I want you to think about for your own life as I've been processing this for my own. Why do you struggle to have that undercurrent of hope in your own life? Why is it that it's easy to trust and believe and have this hope that some fictional little baby alien is going to get rescued in the end, but in your own life, it feels impossible to have that hope. It feels impossible to, to believe that we'll find freedom, that we'll be rescued, that we'll find purpose, that we'll find healing. Why is it that it's so easy to give up on that hope in your own life? And the truth is we all have those areas of our lives where we feel stuck, where we feel like we, we just can't find freedom, we've, we just, we're stuck in a pattern. And for some of you, maybe it looks like you're, you're actually stuck in some kind of addiction. You're, you're addicted to something, to a substance, to something that you watch, to something that you do. And it's like, no matter what you do, you just can't break it. And you've tried and it's just, it's not working. And you feel guilty and you feel shame and there's the thrill of sneaking around. But then at the same time, it's like, uh, I feel awful afterwards. I just, I wish this could end, but I don't know how to make it end. Maybe for some of you, it's a state of mind. It, it's a way that you think, and no matter what you do, no matter how positive you are, no matter how many people you talk to, it's like you just get stuck in that mindset and you just come back to it time and time again and it drains you and it, it makes you unhappy with the kind of person that you are and, and you hate it. Legitimately, you hate that thought process, but you just keep coming back to it no matter what happens. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a job. You just feel stuck. You've done all the right things. You've connected with all the right people and you're stuck in the same rank. You're stuck in the same position. And it's like, if I could just have some kind of breakthrough, or I am so tired of being stuck in this unfulfilling place. Maybe for you, it's, it's a financial failure. You made some decisions when you were in college. You made some decisions when you first got married. You made some decisions right now in this, these young days of your life. And maybe you lived off of your student loans in college to make it through. And now you're paying the consequences for that life. And, and you just, it's like, man, why did we make that purchase? Why did I do that? I feel stuck in debt. I feel stuck in this financial reality. For some of you, Maybe it was a moral failure. Maybe it was something that you gave in and you did something that you know you shouldn't have done. And in the moment it felt right, in the moment it felt good. And, but in the end, you're, you're dealing with the consequences and you just feel stuck in that pain. You feel stuck in that shame. You feel stuck in that guilt. And 
And even though you're trying to move forward, maybe some people around you aren't ready to move forward and, and it just feels heavy and it just feels hard. And it's like, I, I, I don't have this undercurrent of hope. I feel like I'm stuck and there's no way out. For many of us, we get to that place because we gave into our temptations. We gave into those things that distracted us. And temptation looks different for each of us, but it has a really common root. Look at this on the screen. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. You see, temptation comes into your life and it, and it offers you, it promises satisfaction. It promises you feeling better. It promises fulfilling that hole in your life. It promises that in the end, this is gonna be worth it. You're gonna be so happy that you did it. But the cost is that you have to live and think and do and act in defiance to what God really wants you to do. And so temptation promises you, I promise you'll feel better but because you're doing something that's opposite of what God wants you to do, it ends up coming with this pain and this guilt and this shame, and it oversells and underperforms. Temptation always says, it's gonna be great, and then when you experience it, it isn't all that it's hyped up to be. It's just not enough. We start off trying to live the right way and try to do the right thing, but somewhere along the journey, we think that it's going to be something better. We saw this last week with Adam and Eve, the very first humans. Here they are in paradise, in perfection, and still it wasn't enough. Still they gave into the temptation to believe that God's holding something back that's good and I need it. They had perfection and it still wasn't enough. The Apostle Paul, he talks about this temptation in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at this with me, verse 12. If you think you're standing strong, be careful. Be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. For when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This verse, a lot of times it's taken out of context that it's saying God will never put more on you than you can handle. Not true. There are plenty of moments in your life that are more than you can handle. And God uses those opportunities for you to realize how much you need to depend on him. So that is not what this verse is saying. This verse is not saying you'll never have more than you can handle. You absolutely will. And it's in those moments that our dependence on God is even more abundantly clear, and God gets to show up even stronger. In our weakness, God is strong. But what it is saying, he says, God will not allow the temptation to be so overwhelming that there's no way to escape it. There's no temptation in your life that's gonna be so big, so heavy, no addiction, no state of mind, no financial situation, no moral failure, no job, no, there's nothing in your life, there's nothing that's gonna happen that's gonna be so great that God can't provide a way out, a way out for you to connect with him, a way out for you to step into the promise and the purpose that he's created you with. Paul is making it clear you're not stuck forever. God will provide a way out. And for some of you, that should just bring you hope. 
That should stir up hope in your life that you get to experience freedom. Freedom, this way to freedom that Paul is talking about, that God is offering. Paul lived this out in a really unique and practical way that you and I have no interest in doing. Check this out in Philippians 1, starting in verse 12. This is Paul speaking. He says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel. Well, what happened? What happened to him? I wonder what's going on. What is he talking about? But helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. For now, the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I'm here because of my love for the anointed one. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. We're like, bro, you are crazy. Paul is literally saying, Guys, I'm in jail and God is using it. It is so awesome. It's amazing. My chains, it just represents like this awesome, courageous spur for the Christians around me. It's so cool. You should come and experience it. And we're like, no, I don't want to go to prison. Paul is like, listen, I, I was getting beat today. And at the end of my beating, I just told the prisoner about Jesus the prison guard about Jesus. I told the warden and the warden heard me when the little rat ran across and was trying to eat my little bowl of, of ghoul. Like he was so excited to hear about Jesus. This is amazing. Like, I, well, sometimes I read Paul and I'm like, I don't know if you were all there. Like there was, there was a couple of screws loose, but he saw this as an opportunity. Look at this truth, guys. Some of you need to understand this. You are not a hostage to your current circumstance. Instead, you are empowered to make a difference in it. You're empowered to make a difference in it. You are not held hostage by what you're going through to the point that you have no purpose, that you have no calling, that you have no, no way of living out who God's created you to be. Paul would say, no, 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 you're missing the point. I know you feel like you're in prison. I know you feel like you're a hostage, but God wants to make a difference right where you are. Listen, Paul had every right to go, God, are you serious? Like I am, I'm going around, I'm planning churches, I'm sharing your message with people, and I'm getting beat up and thrown in prison. This isn't what I signed up for, God. Like he has every right to say it. Instead, what he's writing is, guys, because I'm in prison, the job's getting done exponentially greater. Can you believe it? Paul was not a hostage to his situation, even though he was literally a hostage in prison. He was in chains. He goes, these chains are for Jesus. These chains are, are like helping me live out my purpose. And I'm not saying that you have to go, oh, I mean, my, my sin is helping me. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what happens in your life and in my life is we feel like we're a hostage to our situation that God can't do anything in it and God can't do anything through it. And Paul would challenge us, that is not the truth. You and I make a bad habit of accepting 
our bondage as reality. We, we have this bad habit of going, well, there's nothing I can do to change it. There's nothing I can do to make it better. There's nothing I can do to get out of this. I guess I'm just stuck. But God has purpose in your pain and he has freedom on the other side of what feels like a prison. The issue comes when we, we convince ourselves that this is reality. When we buy into the lie, when the enemy of our soul and the enemy of our purpose convinces us that there is no hope, there is no future, there is no way that we can change this. I love the words of Francis Frangipane. He writes this, whatever a society agrees upon and establishes through consent, compromise, and constant use will ultimately define reality to them. Let me read that again, it's so good. Whatever a society agrees upon and establishes through consent, compromise, and constant use will ultimately define reality to them. There's so much I wanna say right here. There's so much that, that this just mirrors our society and our culture. There's, there's just so much that we have just given into and that we just bought into as a reality, but I don't have time to do that. I, I have to keep the conversation on just you and I. But guys, don't miss those words. That's what's happening in our society and in our culture. Society says, this is, this is okay. It's normal. It's normal for you to feel that. It's normal for you to go through that. It's normal for you to live that way. It's normal to do that sin. It's, norm it's okay. Everybody does it. Every time someone says that, I immediately red flags go up. I'm like, you know, that... That doesn't normally equate to something that's good. Well, everybody does it. Yeah, that didn't work out for me when I was a teenager, and I don't think it's going to work out for me as an adult. But those three words that he used, I think they're really important. Because I wonder where you have given the enemy your consent. The word consent means permission for something to happen. Where have you given the enemy of your soul permission to have things happen in your life? Where have you given the enemy of your purpose consent? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll believe that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll consent to that way of thinking. I'll consent to that way of comparing myself to other people. I'll, I'll consent to that. What areas of your life have you allowed the enemy of your soul to make you compromise. Compromise means to accept standards that are lower than is desirable. Man, that one hit, that hit home for me. I don't know about for you. Where have you allowed the enemy of your soul to, to accept standards in your life that are lower than you even desire? Well, I, I mean, I can't be that kind of person. I can't be that kind of Christian. I can't be that kind of husband, that kind of wife. I mean, I just don't know if I have that in me. So I'll accept this lower standard and I'll compromise on what God has created and called me to be, to do, the way he's called me to live. I'll compromise on those things. And then that last one, that constant use. Where have you given the enemy constant use of your life? Those, those recurring things in your life. And this one, guys, this, this part of the definition, man, it's, it's uncomfortable. Where have you been faithful to the enemy of your soul? 
What part of your life have you been faithful to the one whose only job is to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family, to destroy your purpose? Where have you been faithful to him? I think a lot of times we, we view this as like, well, I'm not some kind of like evil sorcerer, like I've surrendered my life to the devil. It's not that. It's subtle ways. It's ways that we, we agree the way that we allow him to have space in our hearts and our minds. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But where have you been faithful to the enemy of your soul? Will you give him space and freedom in your life? As we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, how do we find the way to freedom? How do we break out of that? How do we give up consent and compromise and constant use to the enemy of our soul? How do we find freedom? To find the way to freedom, it starts with surrender. To find the way to freedom, it starts with surrender. Unfortunately, we associate the word surrender with defeat. But when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, Surrender is the beginning of you finding the freedom that you're longing for. It's the beginning to you finding freedom from those areas of your life that have held you back for so long. The Apostle Paul and his, his writings to the Christians in Rome, they were struggling with the same thing. And he says this to them in Romans 6, 21. So tell me, what benefit ensued from doing those things that you're now ashamed of? What, what benefit ensued from the sin in your life. It left you with nothing but a legacy of shame and death. But now, as God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. So consider the benefits you now enjoy. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life. For sin's meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift is life eternal found in your union with our Lord Jesus. He says, think about what you're actually giving up. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what you're actually giving up with sin? I think so many times we think we're giving up, giving up control of our life is this thing like, oh, we, we're giving up all of these things. No, 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 no. Think about what you're actually giving up. You're giving up guilt for your actions when we live in sin, when we do things that are outside of what God wants us to do, obedience to him, when we give in to those temptations that promises us a satisfaction, almost always we end up feeling guilty about something that we've done. When we live the way that God has called us, when we surrender those things to him, when we surrender our actions and the way we live to God, we don't have to live with that guilt. We, we live and we give up the shame that we feel for compromising, for accepting those lower standards. We don't feel that shame anymore because we're, we're living and trying to live up to the standards that God has placed on our lives, the, the opportunity that we have to live the way that he's called us to. We give up the fear of our future, right? We give up our fear of the future because, hey, God, I'm giving you control. You've got the driver's seat. You've got the steering wheel. I'm trusting you for my future. So, I mean, kind of, this is kind of on you. Like, if I'm following you, then I have to believe that, that the future is going to be what you promised it to be. Not that it's going to be easy, but that my future is secure and it's going to lead me to purpose and fulfillment in you. 
We give up that fear, that fear of failure. Because if we're trying to do our very best, even if we fall short, we know that we're heading in the right direction. We're surrendering our lives to Jesus. There isn't this fear of failure. Guys, have you ever had, maybe you guys haven't experienced this, but I I know I've had this moment and, and it's awesome. But you ever had that moment where you're like watching a new TV show and it's, you know, it's pretty good and it's going, and then all of a sudden it goes to this like hot and heavy scene and it's just getting kind of crazy and your wife is like, what are we watching? What is this foolishness? And my favorite moment is when I can go, I don't have the remote. You got the remote. I don't have the control. <laughs> this, this one isn't on me. Right, like this is this is kind of that relationship that we get to have with God when we're leaning and following His way. It's like, God, I don't have the remote. God, I don't have the steering wheel. I'm just trusting You. I'm surrendering it to You, so I don't have to give up. I'm I'm just closing my eyes. I didn't see anything. I didn't do anything. This one's not on me. We get to surrender all of those fears and insecurities and go, God, I'm just trusting You with control. I'm trusting You to have control. Listen, look at this truth. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. God's not frustrated with you because of this deep need. He knew you had that need. When, it, it, when it's there, when that longing, when, what we talked about last week, that longing for significance and, and validation and affirmation, you don't have to be frustrated or scared of those moments because when it drives you to depend on God, then your life isn't defined by your your longing. Your life isn't defined by what you don't have. Your life is defined by the one who can answer your every need. We get to surrender our lives to him. Listen, your flaws, your failures, your struggles, your fears, they don't get to define you when it drives you into the arms of your heavenly father. He gets to define you. You don't have to carry the weight and the burden of all of those when it drives you deeper into his love. But for some of you, you have to understand, in order to surrender your life, you have to trust that God is good, right? It's it's really difficult for us to surrender something valuable to someone we don't trust. We don't easily surrender something of value to someone that we, I don't know if you're going to take care of this. I don't know if you're going to do right by this. And some of you, that's your struggle with you and God. That's, That's the tension point that you're navigating because you're struggling with your doubts and your disappointments in God. You're struggling because maybe you've been hurt by church or maybe you've been hurt by someone who called themselves a Christian. Or maybe you've just been hurt because you you prayed and God didn't respond the way that you want him to. And so you're disappointed and your trust level with him is super low. And it's the rub for you and him because when you don't trust that he's good, it's really difficult for you to fully surrender to him. And I want to take you to Psalm 46 because it it speaks to this and it, it gives us a clear picture of God's goodness. It says this in in verse one, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. Those are powerful words. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. 
for the raging roar of, a, of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. In his commentary on Psalm 46, Charles Spurgeon says it this way. I love this. This is so good. God is good, not because he causes things that seem or feel good to happen in our lives, but because in the midst of the storm, God comes closer to us than the storm could ever be. That is why we can say with absolute confidence that he is good. Listen, God's goodness is tied to his proximity to you, not to the perfection of your life. God's proximity, God's goodness is wrapped up in the fact that in the midst of the storm, when, when the structures and supports of life crumble away, that you can lean into him and he's right there with you. His goodness is not tied to a perfect and easy life. His goodness is not tied to a flawed Christian and to a flawed church. His goodness is not, flied, is not tied to, to him answering every prayer that you have the way that you want him to answer it. He's a great big God. And the beauty of a relationship with him is that even as great as he is, even though he sees the whole story from beginning to end, even though he understands the intricacies of every single piece, he is near and close to you. That's what defines his goodness, not that he does things our way. In order for you to surrender to him, you've got to trust that he is good. Even in those moments when the storm is raging and the structural support of your life feels like it's going. In the midst of the waves, he is near to you. When the earth around you is shaking, his hands are there to hold you and support you. He is near to you in the storm. That's why he is good. That's why he's good. Trust him that he is good. As we wrap up today, look at this last truth. The way to freedom starts with surrender and it continues with spiritual freedom. The author Richard Rohr wrote this powerful truth about spiritual freedom. He says, you, you can't heal what you don't acknowledge. And what you don't consciously acknowledge will remain in control of you from within, festering and destroying you and those around you. What you don't acknowledge remains in control of you from within. This is really important because there's some spiritual and internal battles that happen within us. We, we battle with jealousy. We battle with fear. We battle with unforgiveness. Even for some of us, we, we struggle with ambition because we're motivated by the wrong things. And, and our, our ambition is not necessarily because we want to accomplish something great for God in our life. It's because we want someone to validate how good we are. Right? Like we struggle with these things and it takes a toll on our lives. And the enemy of our soul uses these tools to distract us and to, to infiltrate our hearts and our minds, to be able to find safe places within us, to whisper lies about who we are and why we're here. Look at these words in 2 Corinthians 10. Paul writes about this. This is so important for you to understand if you want to find the way to freedom. 2 Corinthians 10. Verse three, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. 
We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Paul is speaking here about tearing down strongholds in our hearts and our minds. But what does that even mean? I found this definition. I love this. Strongholds are lies that the enemy has sown into our thought processes, which have become reality because we believed and accepted them. Strongholds are those areas where where jealousy and fear and unforgiveness and ambition and pride, they sneak their way. They're, They're little lies that we believe that give a safe place in our hearts and our minds for the enemy to stay. A safe place for him to, to whisper. We always think about the devil being on our shoulder and the angel on the other side. But there are legitimately areas of our minds, areas of our hearts that we haven't surrendered to God that are safe places for the enemy to whisper to a spiritual freedom is found when we break the agreements with the enemy. And you might be thinking, I don't have any agreements with the devil. Like, what are you talking about? Maybe you have more than you think. Because I want you to think about this. Think about how you speak to yourself. Does God say to you, you are useless and you're pointless. There's no hope for your future. You're going to be stuck in this job. You're going to be stuck in this marriage. You're going to be stuck in this life forever. No one values you. No one sees how hard you work. No one believes in you. Your sister has it way better than you ever had it. Life, life, man, it, life just never works out for you. Your, your best friend, she has all of the luck and you just have all the bad luck. It's just never gonna work out for you. Do you think God says that to you? Of course not. God would never say that. So who do you think is whispering that to you? Have you ever in your life believed one of those lies? Uh, I'm, I'm never gonna get out of this. Have you ever believed and entertained some of those feelings? Have you ever allowed some of those things to define you that you look at yourself in the mirror and go, no one knows how hard you work. No one knows how valuable If people could just see what I have, then they would get it. Have you ever done that? I'm willing to bet that one of those sentences that I just read to you, you've agreed with those. And what we don't understand is when we agree with that, when we give place to that in our hearts, when we don't shut that down in the name of Jesus, we come into agreement with the enemy. The enemy whispers to you, you aren't gonna accomplish anything great. And we think to ourselves, man, I don't think I'm ever gonna do anything great. You're in agreement. You you are never gonna get out of this financial situation. You're never gonna stop doing this sin. You're never gonna break that addiction. Oh man, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever gonna break this addiction. I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to stop. Like. Is this ever gonna end? 
we, we agree with the enemy of our soul and our purpose more than we think we do. We give him a safe place in our hearts and our minds to feed us lies. And then we begin to believe those lies about ourselves when God has equipped us to break every one of those lies when the enemy whispers to you, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough. You can look at the enemy and say, you shut your mouth because Jesus has called me a masterpiece that is full of purpose purpose and is full of calling. You have no place speaking those things in my life. Well, I'm just stuck doing this. No, in the name of Jesus, I am not held captive by this. I am free because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I claim the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. You think I'm crazy, but I'm just telling you, there are lies that you have accepted from the enemy of your soul. And what the Lord and what Paul is saying to you right now is you have to break those agreements. You have to break those lies. You have to tear down those spiritual strongholds in your heart and in your mind that wants to hold you back from your way to freedom. It's on us to lean into the authority and the power that the Lord has given us. So that's your challenge. What agreements do you need to break with the enemy? What agreements do you need to break? What, what, what do you need to do and confess to God? What do you need to confess to him? God, I've, I've believed this lie. God, I've bought into this idea that I'm a hostage to my circumstance. God, I, I've, I've done things that I'm not proud of. God, I confess this to you. I, I ask you to forgive me. What, what area of your life do you need to repent and turn away, to completely turn away from that life, to, to head a different direction, to surrender it before the Lord and go, God, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to keep going down this path. I don't want to keep living the same way. Where do you need to find some accountability in your life where someone can come alongside you and encourage you to stay on this path, to continue down this, this path towards spiritual freedom? Who can come alongside of you? And then finally, who or what do you need to stop comparing your life to? Do you understand that comparison opens the door for the enemy to come in and feed just a, an abundance of lies? Well, look what they have and what you don't. Look what they can do and you don't. Look at the opportunities they have. Look at their finances. Look at their marriage. Look at their friends. Look at their parents. Look at how they grew up. Look at their how. The enemy is having a field day in your mind when you open the door to comparison. Close it, shut it down, break those agreements. The Lord, guys, listen, we're about to pray, but God wants you to have freedom more than you ever could imagine. Do you understand that he, he watched his son be beaten and broken and ripped to shreds and then thrown on a cross so that you can have freedom? so you could have freedom. He wants nothing more for you to step into that freedom. So are you willing and ready to do that today? The way to freedom is found and starts with surrender and it continues into spiritual freedom. Come on right now, let's pray. I feel the Lord. Jesus, right now,
right for every person that's listening to this. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you silence the lies of the devil, that you silence the lies of the enemy of our soul. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every person who hears this, that they would they would break the agreements with the enemy, that they would stop believing the lies, that they would tear down in your name, Jesus, the strongholds that have a place, a stronghold in their heart, a stronghold in their mind, those areas that they are sympathetic towards things that are against your way. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to break that, that your freedom would flow, that your freedom would come right now in this moment, that we'd be able to find the way to freedom, that we'd be able to step into our purpose, not having to hear the lies of the enemy, that we'd be able to lean into you, that our fears, that our our failures, that our insecurities, that our brokenness, that our flaws, that God, right now in this moment, they're driving us deeper into your arms, deeper into your love, that you're not pushing us away because we have those things, but you're calling us deeper and closer in. God, that we would trust that you were good because you were close to us when we're weak. You're close to us when we're broken. God, we will not allow the storms of our life to define who you are and define your goodness right now in your name, God. We lean into the fact that you are good, you are good, you are good because you are faithful and you are just to rescue those who are in need, that you are faithful to those who call on your name, that you are a safe refuge that we can run into, God. Lord, right now, we want to experience freedom. We want freedom. So we pray in the name of Jesus that it begins now. Jesus, we surrender it all. We surrender it all. And we start this journey to find the way to freedom by trusting that you are good and by surrendering every area of our heart, every area of our mind to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.